everyone and welcome to the Learn and Lead podcast. The Learn and Lead podcast is for educators by educators, and we want to bring the world of Arizona public education to you and our thousands of members across the state. Our objective is to provide a platform for the voices of our educator leaders, along with some amazing community allies, and have conversations about those education topics that are on everyone's mind. Happy American Education Week! My name is Amber Gould. I'm your Arizona Education Association State Treasurer. And I'm Carrie Wolf, your Learn and Lead staff person. So, as we go into American Education Week, there was a couple things we were thinking about and reflecting on as educators, and we were really looking at what were some of the things that we would want to know as new teachers, new educators going into the profession. And it brought me back because my first year teaching, I actually read this Ed Week article, um, and there was a quote in it that has stuck with me forever, and it's, the best thing about being a teacher is that it matters. The hardest thing about being a teacher is that it matters every day. And to me, as a first-year teacher, going into a classroom and being at a new school and taking that to heart, I, I feel like I actually started to lose myself in the overwork, right, in the burnout piece. And, and so I would have loved to have some advice from, from teachers my first couple years to be able to navigate that road and to be able to um, put that balance into place. And so I wanted to start, Carrie, if you don't mind, with what are like my tips that I would love to give either to, if I had to go back in time, time machine, <laughs> 88 miles an hour kind of deal. Um, I think there's a hot tub somewhere we right, could borrow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you went that route. I went back to the future. It's all good. Um, oh, I'm sorry. A DeLorean. Some, some Doctor Who up in here is where we're going next. Um, but yeah, so one of the things I'd like to tell myself as a new teacher is that it's, it's okay to have fun. Um, and that seems like such a little like simple thing, uh, but I can't tell you how like super serious I took um, everything and that everything had to be perfect and I would stay late. Like we, I mean, we all would stay late. Yeah. And, you know, as I started getting into particularly student council, um, I just, you know, everything just kind of exploded and it was so much more fun and creative to be in my classroom. And I'm very lucky, my, my school, we're, um, we're very social. And so having that group of teachers too and being part of that community of teachers and staff members at our campus that we'll get together on the weekends and we'll travel together and do all that has been amazing to my growth as an educator. So like, and just the, that having fun piece is so key, right? Like not taking things as seriously. Like I can't even tell you how many times like I've split my pants at school. Like it's going to happen. <laughs> all right. I've split my pants like um, at uh, student council uh, carnival events. I've split my pants doing the teacher dance in the middle of the assembly. That's occurred. Uh, and I don't, I, I don't know why I don't buy cheap pants. Like <laughs> I want them to last, but here we are. But yeah, it's like things like that. Like how many times did you like, did you ever skip spirit days or did you dress up for all of them? Um, I usually dress up for all the spirit days just because it was so fun. I mean, there was one time where um, I was literally dressed in some kind of like headband with like little bouncy hearts on my head for some kind of spirit week. And um, I remember like one of my students, like I, I had to redirect him and I was like, 
I need you to stop that behavior. It's inappropriate. And my little like red bouncy <laughs> things are just on my, my antennae are like bouncing on my head. And he like took it very seriously. He Whoa. was so amazing. He was like, absolutely like okay and then afterwards everyone the whole class starts laughing and they were like how could you take her seriously when that's like bouncing and I was like you know what that's that's a fair point <laughs> <laughs> but like other another spirit day was like dress up um like a superhero or a marvel character or dc character and I dressed up as Thanos and so I was like you know what guys you're not gonna have any homework Did and you I like have the snapped Infinity my Gauntlet? finger oh my gosh yes I well it's it's like rings so I could still write on the oh, board nice, and stuff nice. I can't I mean you can't wear that that whole thing the whole day of teaching but well yeah. I mean you could <laughs> it'd be really uncomfortable <laughs> imagine doing bus duty and you've just got like the giant gauntlet, the gauntlet. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness okay well yeah I mean you know it's funny because like some people are so like they have to have like the button-up shirt and the tie or yeah. the, the like and it's constant and they feel like they cannot have control of their classroom like classroom management goes out the door or something when you dress but let me tell you I could put like cosplayers to shame with the amount of costumes <laughs> I have as a student <laughs> council teacher uh and I I managed to teach just fine I could teach to that point I could teach just fine in jeans too you know <laughs> professional <laughs> attire aside but um but I mean I feel like it's you get to show the kids your fun side and that's relatable to them and they want to be part of that. And that whole idea of school spirit is so, so key. And so that's what I really wish I could have told myself, at least my first year. My second year, I got student council. I was thrown into it. It's like, here it is. Let's go. Um, but my first year, I was so nervous about that because I wanted to be seen as the teacher in the room. And it turns out everyone already knows that. <laughs> yeah. You feel like you have to like prove it, even though it's, it's just kind of already established. Um, my, when I was student teaching, I actually had a similar experience where, I mean, I felt like I was being very serious all the time because I, again, I was trying to prove it myself. I look very young. I've got, um, a class, of, I've got classes of middle schoolers and I want them to know like, yes, I, I am similarly in age, but no, we are not friends. Kind of like create that, that, that the boundary, yeah. the boundary. Yeah. And I think I, I like went, you know, I've got to be very serious. And I was that person that's like, okay, I'm going to, you know, buy the book, everything. And um, one day we were taught, we were reading a book about something. I don't even remember how this happened, but there was for some reason a need for me to draw a chicken wing on the board to like demonstrate something. Like, I don't know if it was a grammar thing or what. I, I don't remember, but if I suffice it to say, it did not look chicken wing like to a middle schooler. Oh, no. It looked otherly oh no <laughs> yes and so they were like they started laughing and I was like what what's happening and my mentor teacher was like um um please erase that from the board and I erased it and I started dying laughing and they were like oh my gosh this is the first time we've ever seen you laugh and it changed the class culture I mean just this one like <laughs> dumb incident where I just drew a really bad chicken wing on my whiteboard and my student teacher mentor was like, let's not ever draw anything on the board I mean, again. Fair, fair. <laughs> well, that's that whole like, don't smile till Christmas yes. thing, which is such <laughs> crap. It absolutely yeah, is crap. Because, it's not true. Like it's that creativity and that fun and that culture yeah. building that's so key. And like, even with even with like projects and things like that, like make sure you throw some fun things in there yeah. and like let kids choose fun, obnoxious topics. Like one of my favorite projects that I've ever done is like a sonnet writing thing. But this, the student that I had wrote her whole entire sonnet on flaming hot Cheetos. And honestly, 
brilliant. Like absolutely <laughs> brilliant. It had the iambic pentameter. The rhyme scheme was great. It had the like the the problem problem solution. He, like it was it was the most perfect sonnet ever. P- would put Shakespeare to sh- to shame. And it was flaming hot Cheetos. And it was it was magical. Like it's those things like that. And that's honestly I miss that during COVID. I'm so yeah. thankful right now that I get to like kids get to be kids. Yeah. Like I've, I missed that. One of my colleagues used to do this project that was always hilarious where um, they would do speech writing, right? And um, she would have a she would have a bad idea speech symposium and the no. kids would write their speeches about like, the worst idea they could think of and like try to defend it, right? Using persuasive techniques. And the ideas that they came up with that were like, you know, just really terrible ideas like on purpose. A chicken wing on the board, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, also, yeah. <laughs> That should have been my bad idea right. speech. Like first day of class, just go ahead and draw a chicken wing and that will solve all your problems. No. <laughs> so, but it's, I mean, it's funny because the kids just got such a kick out of it and it was literally meant to be ridiculous. And I've always been a fan of gamifying your classroom and kids are like game-based programs are, are fantastic. And oh my gosh. Have you used Blook It? Yes. It's, I, I'm going to be honest. I love it way better than Kahoot. It's and the I'm new like, Kahoot. Oh my gosh. I am one look away from finishing my dinosaur pack oh i'm so excited oh my <laughs> those of you that don't know book it it's like um it's kind of like kahoot like you could do like the trivia or like we do like our root words and stuff with it and um there's like different types of games that you can play it's not just like the multiple choice so it's it's a lot of fun the kids get really competitive and then i'll play with them on occasion because i also like kicking their butt like if we're being honest like <laughs> yes I mean, and using music too, I feel like that's always fun. Like whenever I, I do figurative language, I would like play like hit song, a clip of a hit song and I'd have to identify the the figurative language or um, flocabulary. Do you remember flocabulary? Oh my gosh, flocabulary. Oh my gosh. It's like <laughs> rapping about like the, the, the term setting and it's like so cringy, but the kids are always so into it. It's like, oh, it's got a good beat, Miss Are we Wolf. allowed to use the word cringy? <laughs> like, are we too old for that word? I don't know. The youth you know say what? <laughs> My little brother has been teaching me the lingo of the things that the youth say. And he always says, bet, fire, and trash. Oh, bet is the big one. Yeah. They love it. And it's like every other word is bet, fire, or trash. And so my dad and I started just telling him, bet, fire, trash. Hashtag bet, fire, trash. And he just gets so annoyed because he'll be in the middle of a story and we'll be like, bet, fire, trash. I mean, that is a surefire way to make sure that your students don't use like certain yes. words in classes. If you start using them, then suddenly for some reason, I'm not sure why, it's suddenly not cool anymore. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> but I have fun with it. So that's important. Oh my goodness. Okay. Okay. So I got to talk about like one of the things I wish I would have known my first year teaching. What about, what about you, Carrie? What are some of the things that you wish you would have known going into the field of education head first? Hopefully nothing on fire. Yeah, no, I did not say anything on fire. I didn't realize that was the benchmark, but I did not, which is, I'm pretty proud of myself for that one right now. Um, As an English teacher, that would have been really a feat. So yeah, Um, you know, I'll say progress, not perfection. Um, The thing that's hard as a new teacher is like, part of the reason you stay late is because you want to make the lesson perfect. And sometimes you like don't understand, like you're not getting perfect um, scores and you're not like kids aren't hundred percent understanding it the first time. And that's okay. That's part of the learning process. And it's okay if we're just all making steps towards progress, if we're making steps on progress, whether it's social, emotional skills, some kids are in a place where the thing that they're learning is 
how to be around other kids. And that's okay oh, as long as they're growing. Especially post-COVID. A hundred percent. Those social skills and the mental the mental health skills have been yes. not what they were before. Like kids are struggling with that. And so sometimes you For need sure. to take a step back from the curriculum to make sure that the kid is taken care of. Right. And I think it's hard to do that when there's a lot of pressure to, when you're a tested subject, right, to perform on every single, like, SBA or, uh, you know, common formative assessment or whatever you call it, right, to make sure that kids are constantly, you know, uh, you want, like, 100% of them to be, you know, perfect, and that's just not the reality. I mean, things happen. I had uh, my first year teaching, um, I always tell this story every single year that I've been a teacher to my students when we go over, like, classroom procedures, because my first year teaching, we're in the middle of reading a book, and a student gets sick to his stomach and he doesn't say anything to me he's just trying to like keep focused on the book and he throws up on his book his binder his backpack and he freaks out and stands up and shakes it off oh no and it goes all over the ceiling all over his classmates and all of a sudden I have like 30 seventh graders running behind me like I'm gonna protect them from the vomit that was not in my lesson plan but you know what (laughs) that was what was needed in that moment and I needed, I needed to meet the moment where it was at and we kind of, we moved past it. We, you know, that was first period. So of course the rest of the day was quite the event. Um, but it was first period. Oh no. <laughs> oh yes. On a Monday. So it was a whole, it was, yeah, it was okay, not so great. Okay. So tip to new teacher, have procedures in place when a kid is sick Yes, and let the kids know what those procedures yes. are. Oh my yep, goodness. My procedure was always three parts. Stay away from Miss Wolf, get the trash can. <laughs> And go. Don't, like, if you're sick, just grab the trash can and go. Like, don't come pass. near me. That's your hall pass is yep. the trash can. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, um, you know, I feel like the worst thing that I saw before I went into the classroom were all those teacher movies. You know, the ones I'm talking about, like, the Ron Clark story and, like, Freedom Writers and all these stories where the oh, teacher comes yes. in and, like, changes things for the entire class, like, instantaneously. And while I love those movies for, the, like, the 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 really important message of like connecting with students and I love the fact that we have extraordinary teachers that we can look up to and it brings people into this profession I'm really concerned about the the burnout that teachers have when they get into the position and realize this is not a movie this is people's everyday lives and people are not perfect and we're all just trying to work towards the same goal of surviving thriving living loving and the way we get there is incremental and so I those movies are hard because they set up this expectation in your head of like you're gonna change the entire world by yourself against all odds and you're not alone you're not by yourself you have teammates you have your other educators you have your union (laughs) yeah you have resources besides just yourself and you don't have to be perfect your students don't have to be perfect and everybody can still grow and progress I mean, I'm pretty sure my students think I'm perfect. No, no, they do not. Oh my gosh. We have so much fun. Well, and you know, part of that is also modeling, modeling, making mistakes, right? Right. Um, your students need to see you make a mistake and how you grow from that or how you fix that or how you own that mistake. Because a lot of people, a lot of adults don't know how to do that. And right. so, um, so that's a huge part of it. Too. When you apologize to a student, it is life changing for them. 
it's so funny because I had an incident one time where a student was talking and their head was kind of turned and they're talking to their friend and I couldn't see who was talking, right? And so I said, hey, like, stop, stop talking. Like, let's focus on this. And the student was like, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. And I was like, okay, I understand. Let's talk about it after class. Let's keep going. Like, I know, keep working hard. And after class, they were like, I, I really wasn't the one talking. And I'm like, you know what? I'm so sorry. I, I'm human. I'm so sorry. I didn't know who was calling I or who was talking. And then and I'm so sorry that you felt embarrassed. And the student kind of looked at me like, oh, and I was like, I, I made a mistake, so I own up to it. Like, that's that's part of growing, and that's okay. And he was like, oh. And the other students around him were kind of like, did she just uh, uh, admit she made a mistake? And I'm like, yeah, guys, it's it part of being human. <laughs> <laughs> and so then from that moment on, we kind of, um, like, we gamified some, like something in the classroom because I – had a word that I was having trouble like pronouncing. Metonymy was what it was. Oh. No, no. It was synecdoche. Synecdoche. Oh, synecdoche. And I kept like tripping over my words. And so for the rest of the week, I kind of made it my lesson that every time I said this word and I messed it up, we would put a tally on the board. And if I got to 10 by the end of the week, then there was some kind of prize. I don't remember what it was. It probably like free seat or something. You can sit wherever you want. <laughs> um, but I wanted to make a point of showing them that it's okay to make a mistake as long as you don't stay stuck in the yuck. Stuck in the yuck. Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a great line. All the teacherisms. <laughs> the teacherisms. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, so now that we've had a good conversation about what we'd like to know as first year teachers, um, I know that we have some great guests that are going to share their thoughts on that and what they would have liked to know or what they'd like new teachers to figure out. Our first volunteer to tell us uh, what they would have liked to know their first year teaching uh, is our very own Angela Philpot, AEA's vice president. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, we have been um, going through and just reflecting on everything that we've done um, our first couple years teaching and um, the embarrassing moments, the fun moments, the the moments where we went into our car and maybe cried a little. Um, but what we are really wanting is to know during your first uh, couple years of teaching, what would you have wanted to know about the teaching profession, about working with kids, about everything that's going on in the world? Wow, that's a really big question. Yeah, no pressure. No pressure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and as I was reflecting, like you said, on what was important to me as a first-year teacher, just you don't know what you don't know. And so you didn't even know what to ask. And your um, education really didn't prepare you as well as you think it did when you're in front of all those little cutie pies and even your tall, smelly teenagers. And so... Um, They're not I, that smelly. That is true. <laughs> I mean, depends well, on the type of year. Type of year. Say, in August, they are. But um, when it's really 117 outside. That's fair. I mean, I did have a Febreze bottle in my room one year because I had like the whole football team right after lunch. Oh my gosh. They would come and just like Febreze themselves as they walked in. You like, know it was what? A thing. Gender neutral spray deal yeah. in your classroom is oh, almost a great. necessity. So that's one thing I wish I would have known. That is one thing I wish I would have known as well. That's a great tip, Carrie. <laughs> I guess mostly just to really, on a, like we talk about, um, you know, taking care of yourselves. As a first year teacher, you really need that 30 minute lunch. And you tend to be like, I need to be making games, uh, developing lesson plans. I need to be doing all of these different items that are like classroom items, building those 
those relationships with your colleagues and having that time for camaraderie is really important. And as a first-year teacher, you can't see the forest through the trees during that time. You're just thinking, I have to be prepared for these kids. But what I now see in hindsight of that first year is I really needed to take that time for me and as well as building that relationship with my team as a first-year team member. And the other thing, too, is when you're working through your lunch, you know, as the union leader that we are, um, that contract where they fought so hard for you to have that 30-minute duty-free lunch, that was, you know, bargained for for forever. And every year, you know, your contract is fought for by your union leaders. And so when you give that up to work and not take that time to eat, to go to the bathroom, visit with your friends, you are, you know, diminishing that work that they did and you don't even realize that and now you know after 24 years and now being you know where I'm at in leadership I'm like you're right you know I've had that contract is 30 minutes for a reason because you deserve that time to eat you deserve that time to hang out and grow those relationships with your colleagues so I think that's the number one aha moment in hindsight I can think about that take that 30 minute lunch even though that list is not going to go away and so all you've done is not eat, and so you're grouchy for your students when they come back after lunch or recess. You have not spent time developing those relationships with your teammates, and they're going to be your strongest support systems. I always say the best teacher is made by the teacher next door, and so if you're not building that relationship with your hallway, and the only time you have is at lunch. Right. Well, you know, it's funny because it's like you're treading water that whole time, and your colleagues are your your lifeguards, right? And so they're going to help with that, and I think you're absolutely right that that time you take just for lunch is is pivotal as a new teacher. And I feel like sometimes new teachers come in like being given this advice that like avoid the lounge, avoid going around other teachers because you might hear something negative or people somebody might be having a bad day. And yeah, everybody has a bad day every once in a while. But overall, I think like if you find those people who share similar passions and hobbies outside of teaching, and you connect with them, it will make your experience at that school so much better. You don't have to talk about work during lunchtime either. I mean, um, if you want to talk about like your favorite recipes or like you went kayaking or, you know, whatever it is that's your jam, having a little bit of time to just remember that there is world outside of your four walls. Right. You need adults in your life is what we're saying. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Absolutely. And even like I said, as a first year teacher, I remember not doing that. But even last year, you know, my 24th year teaching my, I was in a new grade level in a new school teaching a new content. And I was, you know, working through my lunch and my planning period, of course, like crazy. And my so do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. <laughs> and my, and after the first like two to three weeks, my colleagues, my teammates were like you are done you need to come eat lunch with us we eat lunch as a team every day and like you said on Mondays we just talked about our weekends what did you watch on Netflix you know where did you go did you and we would like oh I didn't see that movie yet and it was really therapeutic and then Fridays were kind of like our what would we do differently at this week because you know we planned as a team and we did things and even as a 24-year teacher, it was so important. And that's what I miss most of all now is the lunches with my teammates. Well, you know what? And that's a really good point as well is like those of us that are more seasoned educators, like reach out to the new teachers if they're not coming to lunch. Like make it a point because sometimes it's just that invite, right? That's the same when we talk about like membership and joining the association. Sometimes it's just because people haven't been asked and then they get to be part of this whole magical thing um, and and be part of that community. And, and that building that community, it's you have to build the community in your classroom, but you also have to be part of your community as a campus. Absolutely. 
So thank you so much for joining us and sharing your uh, your tips on what you would have liked to know as a first year teacher. And I know um, we're going to have a, a couple others on the show with us here in a few minutes, but um, these are very powerful things to consider. And hopefully our, our new young educators can take this to heart. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Our next guest on our podcast today is Elizabeth Lavis, Liz, and she is our member, nope, say it again, Director of Organizing and Growth Strategies. Here, hold Director up. of Organizing and Growth Strategies. So Liz, you were in the classroom for how long? 10 years. 10 years, and you taught sixth grade math. What else did you teach? I taught first grade, kinder. Uh, emotionally disturbed, science, seventh grade, seventh grade ELD. So just a few things. Just a few <laughs> things here and there, you know. All right, that's fair. All right. She's a Swiss Army knife of information. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll be good because um, what we are wanting to know is what are some of your, like, what are some of the things you wish you knew as a, as a new young baby teacher going into the profession? Well, just in general, I feel like we all know what happens to popcorn in microwaves. Oh my gosh. But, <laughs> <laughs> but as a new baby teacher, I wanted to buy cookie dough to support my first graders. And my teaching partner was also a new baby teacher, and he also bought the cookie dough. So there we are, enjoying our lunch from the parent room in our first year of teaching. And all of a sudden, he says, Miss Lavis, the microwave! And I turn around, and I see the cookie dough that we were deciding to bake in our microwave that was smoking. So, you know, sprinted into action, open the microwave with smoke coming out of it, run to the other side of the classroom, and open the door to our garden. He followed me with the smoking cookie plate, threw it in the garden, and then we thought, okay, even better, open the other door on the other side of the classroom to make sure that, you know, the smoke got out. You could smell cookies on the other side of the classroom, uh, on the other side of the school, and the cafeteria was on the opposite side, and people were like, anyone smell burning cookies? And I said, no, I can't smell a thing. Of course thing. not. No. <laughs> no idea. Oh, my gosh. Did they catch on fire? Were they just burning? They were smoking. They were smoking chocolate chip cookies. Oh, my God. Did you set off the fire alarm? <laughs> Not this time. You know what? I did actually have a first-year teacher who set off the fire alarm his, like, first month of school. He's a science teacher. He oh, did no. an experiment, and he poured a couple of things into a vial, and smoke started emitting a lot of it. Um, and so he, he had grabbed the, one of the wrong bottles and so the fire alarm went off and we all went out and here's all the science kids with their goggles and like their, their coats and like all the safety gear and there's the teacher and he's like a little bit panicked and wide eyed and we're like, oh, okay, it's, it's oh. fine. Like you did, you did everything right. You followed the safety protocols. You like, we all evacuated. Like it was like really, we, we got our fire drill over for the month. Like it worked out great. Yes. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, it happens. It's a real thing that like can happen. I feel like it's like a rite of passage <laughs> to set some, whether it's like the security alarm, the fire <laughs> alarm, just something like you have to do it in your first couple of years. It's bound to occur. <laughs> oh my gosh. But with cookie dough, that's, uh, that's dough. a new one. Yeah. All right. Yeah, All right. I, I didn't know that cookie dough could catch on fire in a microwave, but <laughs> it's probably not supposed to go in the microwave. Let's be real here. <laughs> Why oh didn't you gosh. just eat the cookie dough out of the bin? Like, that would have been mine. That, that's what happened after. Oh, okay. That makes sense. All right. Good call. Good call. All right. All so right. did you get the cookie dough from, like, a student? Like, you bought, a, like, they were doing a fundraiser, and you were, like, buying the cookie dough because you're a really kind human being, and you loved your students, and... 
Yeah. First off, the lunches that we had, they were amazing. We had a parent group that was on campus, so they had their own parent room. And once a week, they would make lunches, and the staff could buy it, and the money went back to support the students at the school. And it just so happened at the same time, the students were doing a fundraiser selling cookie dough. And I bought cookie dough. I bought, like, the little strudel thingies that you put in the oven. And, yep, smoking (laughs) cookies. (laughs) That is a smart fundraising idea. Right. You know what? As we're kind of talking about the fundraisers, one of the things I wish I would have known as a new teacher is that you don't have to buy from every single kid's (laughs) fundraiser because that adds up fast. You know how many... Frickin' candles I bought my first couple years teaching that I did not need. But like, okay, so now I have this rule that it's like the first kid that asks me for a fundraiser. Like, that's who I go with. That's it. Um, hopefully they don't find me. I, I can't tell you. The popcorn is really big now. I bought so much popcorn. But um, it's those dollar candy bars from like the band and orchestra students who oh. are fundraising for a trip or new uniforms. Like, that's what gets me is I'm like, oh, I have to put a limit on it at some point. Right. It's, I feel like that's like we buy supplies for our classroom. Then we also have to like fund all of these programs yeah. through purchasing <laughs> candy and candles and yes. everything else. Gift wrap. <laughs> Even the ones where they're like, sponsor me and every dollar you donate, I walk a lap or you walk a lap. And I, I had to I had to cap them. That's when I was like, oh, no, I, the first one that asked, that's where I'm going. And then that's it. Yeah. And I do a limit on those two because I've, I had one year where I had like the marathon runner kid (laughs) and I had no idea. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Okay. So be careful with the microwave and you don't have to buy from every fundraiser your first couple of years. It's okay to say no. Definitely. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, any other tips for new teachers, new educators that you want to add, Liz? In my second t- year of teaching, I was staying late a lot, 7, 7.30, 8 o'clock, and one day the speech path came by, and she said, Liz, what are you still doing here? And I said, I'm preparing my lessons. It's not ready yet. Everything has to be ready to go. It has to be perfect. And she looked at me, and she said, no, it doesn't. No matter what you plan, there's always going to be something that comes up. You're going to have to be flexible, and it's not going to be perfect, and it's going to be okay. But better yet, you're already giving time to all of your students and all of their families. You have a family too. You need to go home and be with your family. And it always stayed with me when I thought of balance, that work-life balance, because we do give a lot as educators. We want to be there 24-7. We want to make sure that that day that we have them, we never get that day back, and it's that the best educational day possible. But at the end of the day, it's okay to go home too and be with your family. Wow, that is, I, I feel sometimes I'm, I struggle with that work-life balance. <laughs> Fun fact, when my when it was my first year teaching, that person was Liz. Like Liz would literally come by my classroom seven or eight o'clock at night. She was finishing up with a meeting. I didn't know what kind of meeting and she would bring food and be like, all right, here's food. I'll go home. Like here's, here's, a, <laughs> here's tamale, here's pizza. Here's like, you need to eat food. Have you eaten dinner today? Did you eat lunch today? Okay, now go home. Bye. (laughs) So she passed on that lesson for sure. Oh, good. Oh, goodness. Yeah, that would be, you need someone like that in your life who's going to help you with those boundaries, especially early on, because you've, like you said, you, you feel like you have to give so, so much, but that can be detrimental in the long run. We don't want you to burn out. Correct. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing, uh, sharing those tips with us and uh, sharing those tips with new teachers. I appreciate you both for inviting me today.
So before we head out, let's do just a quick rapid fire, just some of like the really quick tidbits of information that we wish we would have known. No stories attached, just new teachers, listen up. All Um, right. All right. Are we ready for this? I'm ready. All right. So first, get your master's degree. Get it as soon as possible. Get that higher education because that's going to bump you up on the salary schedule and it's going to make it so that long term you're getting more money as an educator. Uh, number two, seek out a mentor. Find someone on your campus that you trust, that you adore, that you can go to for teaching tips. If you have questions, if you have lesson plans that you need help developing, find a mentor. Ooh, that's a really good one. All right. This next one, it's going to sound a little weird, especially if you're young and you're new and you haven't even thought about this ever, but pay extra into retirement when you can, or get another retirement pay in account that you can do because in the long run, that's going to add up big. And there's no stuff, no such thing as stupid questions when it comes to your benefits. If there's something on those benefits you don't understand, ask. If there's something on your contract you don't understand, ask. If there's something that you are not sure about, ask questions. Absolutely. And then the last piece, and but probably the most important, is not only join your union, but be active in your union. Make sure you have that voice. Make sure that you are helping create that power to make sure that the other new educators coming in um, come in strong. So with that, we do want to leave you with some homework because, of course, we have to have homework. Yep. You know the drill. <laughs> All right. So if you are if you are a teacher that's been in the game for a while, my homework to you is make sure you talk to the newbies. Invite them to lunch. Invite them to happy hour. Make sure that they feel connected. Make sure that they are joining their union. Like all those things are so important to develop those relationships and making sure that our new teachers don't leave the profession. And if you're an early career educator, a newbie teacher, I would encourage you to find a time for you to leave every day and set an alarm on your phone to make sure that you set boundaries for yourself. Don't stay until seven or eight at night. It's not worth burning yourself out. We want you to stay in this profession long term, not short term. So set an alarm, whether it's five, five thirty, set that alarm. And when it goes off, you put it away and you go, you leave. Awesome. Well, hopefully you all go out and do the homework and then we will see you on our next episode. We want to give a special shout out to Josh Adkins from Paradise Valley Education Association for composing our theme song and another shout out to Carrie Wolf for producing each episode. If you want more information on other learn and lead opportunities and professional development made for educators and by educators, check out ArizonaEA.org slash professional dash excellence or reach out to your local president. If you're not currently a member and want to be part of creating opportunity for all students through the power of public education, you can join the Arizona Education Association by going to ArizonaEA.org backslash join. And that's the bell.